1997, everybody was worried about the death of Hong Kong. Fortune magazine had a headline, uh, the, the death of Hong Kong. And, and mm. uh, about 23 years later, we're still we're talking still about RTHK. But- and 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 uh, things are fine. But as you say, the devil's in the detail. MPC Correct. Standing Committee member Tam Yu Chung said yesterday that extraditions to the mainland could be an option to put Hong Kong people on trial there for the most serious national security offences. Now, that's something that I know that worries business people a lot here in Hong Kong, but the prospect of being extradited to the mainland. Peter, I agree with you, but I think at the end of the day, uh, they're pro- China, what China was probably talking about is very, very, very extreme cases where there's real foreign interference of some kind of spy or something like that, which really Hong Kong usually does not even uh, enact, you know. And so, and so I think basically people should not get nervous about it. It's, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it won't affect the majority of people in Hong Kong. And, and, and uh, as they say, why don't we wait until the details come out and then we will see. Listen, China in the past, if for their own people, if there was a problem, they'd just come here and, and, and take somebody back to China. We've seen that happen in the past. And so, um, but in general, if you really travel to China and you see what is going on in China, I mean, they're, they're an amazing country at the moment. Their economy, they, you know, the, the, the improvement of, of uh, living standards for the, the average person. They're the number one tourist in the world today, you know, and so we keep thinking about them as, as the old 35, 40 years ago. Mm. It's not the same China today. All you have to do is go to Shenzhen, and the, Shenzhen is probably ahead of Hong Kong at the moment. So I, I think let's wait and see. The people in China, many, most of them have a very good life. And, and I think they want the same thing for the Hong Kong people. And I think for business, uh, that's all we want is stability here in Hong Kong. Going, running your business last year, going through those protests, having your shops wrecked and having, uh, you know, being afraid to go out on the streets, uh, that was not a pleasant uh, thing. That was not Hong Kong. So hopefully we can get back to a normal life and, and, and go back to the way Hong Kong always was. Mr. Zeman, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. That's Alan Zeman, who's chairman of the Lankwai Fong Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. US stock index futures are slipping in Asian trading this morning. That's dragging Asian stock markets lower. The SX200 in Australia off half a percent. Nikkei 225 in Japan down about two-thirds of a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open one percent lower in just under an hour's time. Do stay tuned to Radio 3 for back chat right after the uh, news with Hugh Chiverton and Karen Coe. The weather forecast, hot with a few showers, sunny periods during the day and a maximum temperature of 32 degrees in the urban areas. It's going to be mainly fine and very hot, apart from isolated showers in the next couple of days. Temperature right now, 29 degrees, 81% relative humidity. 8.33, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. G7 foreign ministers have issued a strongly worded statement urging Beijing to reverse its decision to impose a national security law in Hong Kong. Steve Dunthorne reports. The G7 ministers expressed grave concerns about the national security law, saying it did not conform with the basic law, nor the principles of the legally binding UN-registered Sino-British Joint Declaration. They said they were also extremely concerned that this action would curtail and threaten the fundamental rights and freedoms of Hong Kong people who are protected by the rule of law and the independent justice system. 
The statement was issued shortly before three o'clock this morning, minutes before one of the signatories, the US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, began key talks with Yang Jiqi, China's most senior diplomat. The former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton has alleged in a new book about his experiences in the White House that President Trump approached President Xi Jinping for help to win re-election. Here's the BBC's Anthony Zerker. Donald Trump is alleged to have done by John Bolton in saying that it would be great if China bought uh, soybeans from key Midwestern battleground states and that would help him win re-election. I mean, that is pretty remarkable. But again, this goes to the heart of the allegations that Democrats made against Donald Trump in their impeachment proceedings uh, earlier this year in regard to Ukraine, uh, where they said that Donald Trump was conditioning U.S. military aid to Ukraine on Ukraine providing damaging information on Democratic rival Joe Biden. So it fits into those allegations. And I will say uh, John Bolton in his book also talks about Ukraine and says that that was exactly what Donald Trump did. Anti-China protests have been held in various Indian cities after 20 soldiers were killed in clashes with Chinese troops along the disputed Himalayan border. In some places, demonstrators burnt the effigies of President Xi Jinping and called for a boycott of Chinese goods. India and China have exchanged protests accusing each other of intruding into their respective territories in the Ladakh region. But the two foreign ministers have agreed not to escalate the situation. Here's the BBC's Howard Zeng. On the Chinese side, besides the government spokesperson, we were almost having radio silence on the media side. And uh, occasionally you'll have the uh, state pro- uh, propaganda kind of tabloid newspaper, Global Times, Uh, issue a few lines, but overall, the domestic media is quiet. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Stewart and your co-host today is Karen Ko. Karen, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about foreign interference in Hong Kong. The Secretary for Security, John Lee, said earlier this week he believes the new security law that Beijing is preparing for Hong Kong will have clear stipulations over what political leaders can and can't do when travelling outside to meet dignitaries and officials there. And uh, just we've just heard G7 foreign ministers have been urging Beijing to reconsider the proposed security law for Hong Kong. That statement comes in the midst of top-level Sino-US talks. Hong Kong politicians, especially those from the pro-democracy camp, have travelled overseas in recent years to meet diplomats as well as government officials to discuss SAR issues. And meanwhile, a pro-establishment coalition has launched a campaign specially calling for people to sign uh, against American and foreign powers to stop meddling in Hong Kong affairs. Tam Yu Chung says national security cases involving foreign interference could see people sent across the border to stand trial. So what constitutes foreign interference? It's something that is going to be addressed by the new national security legislation. Will changes uh, in that uh, encourage international companies and academic institutions to leave Hong Kong? The the government itself spends millions seeking to change minds outside Hong Kong to its point of view. Why does it so often fail? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. 
Or you can give us a call. Our telephone number is 233-88266. Please join us, 233-88266. An open standing uh, invitation. Uh, joining us for the uh, first part of the programme now, we have uh, Alan Long, who's uh, Governor of the Path of Democracy uh, Think Tank. Um, uh, we've got a group of uh, uh, emails relating to uh, earlier discussions and some other issues. Maybe we'll, th- we'll save those a little bit till uh, later on and get straight into, into today's issue. Uh, uh, Mr Long, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us once again. Morning. Um, so, yeah, so foreign interference is obviously a big deal. I mean, when it comes to this new national security legislation, um, you, you, you've got trade both ways, of course. You've got outsiders... Uh, commenting on what's uh, going on in Hong Kong, and you've got Hong Kongers travelling to or in communication with uh, outside uh, bodies and forces and, and, and so on. Presumably it's the second of those that the, that the national security legislation is interested in, uh, I, I assume, uh, people, people um, dealing with um, governments and, and bodies, as I say, outside Hong Kong. That is what Hong Kong is about. Hong Kong is very international, and there are more consulates in, in Hong Kong than any other place in the world. Everybody is here, and many, many consul officials now realize that they, they cannot get anything, get in, any, any information from the consul and the embassy in China. So they, they, they even uh, tend to uh, shift the emphasis on the uh, Hong Kong office. Look at Caroline Wilson, uh, who's promoted to become the ambassador of China from, uh, from I think, three or four years in Hong Kong as consulate general of Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong is an international place and that cannot be changed. Mm. So, so are they getting information uh, in Hong Kong then about China? Is that, is that what you're saying? I believe a, a lot of them uh, found that because Hong Kong has a free press, they are collecting more. Inf- they, they were able to collect more information about what's happening in China than inside China. And uh, j- just tell you, just to tell you a little story about you know this is a, a very uh, sort of normal technology transfer conference happening in Beijing, and uh, I was there together with uh, my, my Scottish friend who's who working together to work on a technology transfer. Of course, we want Hong Kong to be part of the technology transfer world. world. And it was an international conference held in Beijing. And for some reason, uh, some guests decided not to come. And I and my friend was invited. My friend is, because he's foreign, he's welcome. And, and they say, oh, oh, you are Hong Kong, you cannot come. But finally, they let me let me go into the conference. Uh, let me go into the dinner, and then uh, they made sure that that both uh, sitting on both sides of me were mainland officials, so that I cannot talk to the uh, to the uh, to the uh, you know the foreign guests. But there are cocktail sessions. We talk to them all the time in Hong Kong. We talk to foreign officials all the time. This is the nature of Hong Kong, which should be seen as a strength and not not as a weakness in exchanging information, exchanging ideas, and so on. I wonder what got into Tom Yu Chong's head. Maybe he wants to go back to the you know old days of Cultural Revolution and you know where China is locked from the rest of the world. But you often see, and you see in uh, in uh, in Tai Kung Pao and so on, 
uh, pictures of <clears throat> pro-democracy um, figures and Joshua Wong, what have you, having coffee or socialising with people from, say, the American consulate. Uh, and, you know, these consulates are full of spies, aren't they? What amount to spies? You can call it intelligence gathering or whatever you like, but that's what it, it comes but, down but, to but, in the end. But, but, but those are not spies. Those are consulate officials. Their job is to, you know, get in touch with, with the community to get pulse of the... Uh, of the, uh, right, I was just going to say, is that, you know, is that just kind of legitimate? Is that what they do? Uh, or is there something sinister in um, people, you know, uh, having coffee and talking to um, consular officials? We talk to consular officials all the time. We invite them. I mean, we, 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 we start luncheons. Uh, we host luncheons. When they pay to come to speak to what's happening in Hong Kong, in part of democracy, was mostly listening to Hong Kong government officials. It's a normal exchange. It sounds sinister. You know, they make it sound more sinister than, than what it is. Uh, Julia, and uh, who, who met Joshua Wong, they were caught in uh, Marriott Hotel or something. They, they do it all the time. And why, 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 why make it so, so unusual? But for... Joshua Wong to go to the uh, United States and talk to a uh, uh, who is Joshua Wong to uh, to be in company of uh, state leaders. That is a bit unusual. Why why do they why do they do that? You know they're using using Joshua Wong basically. Alan Lung, do you think that what China is worried about is money, is funding, foreign funding? Well, uh, I was here. I was. I was listening to the last program, Money Talk. Hong Kong is an international financial center. There's second listing of Chinese companies listed in, in, the, in the U.S. coming back to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a magnet to address, to address, not uh, to attract not just mainland capital, but, you know, international capital too. The, Hong Kong is a gateway for investment into China, including in futures, the Belt and Road Initiative, which will be turned into projects or companies. And this is a fact that Hong Kong is an international financial center, well-regulated. I would argue that it's even better re regulated than the U.S. market and the, and the U.K. market because Hong Kong is regulated basically by, by uh, well, U.K. expertise. <laughs> I guess so Hong Kong, you cannot escape from that. Hong Kong is an international market, and and both international and China, of course, us Hong Kong needs this sort of financial capability. I guess you know what people are worried about is that under these new laws, which we don't know exactly what they say yet, China can define foreign interference in any way it wants. Is that really the problem? That there is no hard and fast definition. Um. I think a few days ago, uh, Ronnie Tong came, came into your program, I, and I listened to him after the program. And I, I think he explained it very, very well. That I think he did much better than than uh, than explaining the uh, extradition law this time. You know, explained that there's no no detail yet, and and therefore people should not speculate. But I do not think China. He, he uh, Ronnie Tong keeps saying that. Uh, He's been talking to people, you know, and, and I think what he meant was people he knows in Beijing, including you know his friends Wang Wang Zhengmen, who's uh, being seconded to HKMAO, and he explained it very very clearly that 
difference between uh, statute law and common law. And he said in common law, uh, because of the, the way its practice is written in great detail. And I, I'm sure he's been lobbying, 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 you know, Beijing people, Hong Kong people, Hong Kong ICL government, not what they should be do- doing, knowing that this uh, process, can, we cannot escape from this process. But I'm sure that people who, who are lawyers like him has been telling people, Beijing people, and do it the right way. Don't don't blow it because you will blow you will blow Hong Kong's international financial market capacity. Uh, if you threaten rule of law, freedom, and uh, 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 human rights, I mean, I mean, they, 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 people like Tom Yu Chong have no idea or no uh, uh, awareness of Hong Kong's. Uh, commercial, international financial capacity. They they are just trying to say, oh, I'm more loyal than the rest. Therefore, give me more more power, more influence. I we are the people that should be running Hong Kong. Fine if they can run it, but they they don't seem to have any idea what Hong Kong is about. What do you make of that statement by the by the G7? That's pretty that's pretty strong, isn't it? I mean, it's to get the G7 foreign ministers uh, to issue uh, you know a condemnation like that. <laughs> That's a sign that uh, the the PR is, you know, public relations of China is is so almost on the verge of failing already. They need to do more explaining. You know, the I think China is is because they 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 run, they're used to uh, the state press. They're not used to that sort of uh, you know free. Just uh, uh, Joshua Wong can go to U.S. at the moment and say anything, and the press. Even very big station like to, like CNN will not talk to a nobody in Hong Kong. They talk. They, they like to talk to someone with high profile. And Joshua Wong fit that 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 thing. And Joshua Wong represents the radical on the extreme yellow, deep yellow. And you can think of uh, you know Tam Yu Zhong as the radical on the deep blue side. You know, almost deep deep blue, almost black. So those two are actually fighting each other and holding Hong Kong as hostage, the middle ground hostage. Well, Alan Lung, I mean, your your organisation is trying to find some kind of middle ground. W- what would you like to see in this law? What what in this what in this law the in the national security law, Spe- especially as regards say foreign interference, foreign what foreign interference, and what what foreign interference? This is about. Uh, national security and why Hong Kong why well if you, you, if you if, I, I put it another way uh, foreign interference foreign international uh, uh, influence uh, international has always been trying to influence Hong Kong because they have strong business interests there they want to run it they want Hong Kong to run it in a way that can be accepted back home and by investor back home China wants something to Hong Kong. China, most businessmen in Hong Kong look at very narrow sort of uh, uh, look at things from a very narrow perspective, such as the way they think. I can explain that. Oh, oh, uh, you cannot. The way they think is they think they cannot foreign money cannot escape from China because Hong Kong, China is such a attractive eco- economy, and therefore. 
they can do anything without regard to the human rights, the value, uh, freedom, and so on, the, 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 the Western world value. And Hong Kong has to explain to both sides. Don't, don't sort of trigger the fear in, in, uh, in uh, China. And we have, to, we have you know, people like Melanie Tong have to explain, explain to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to the friends in Beijing that if you have to do it, I understand that you know you are sort of pushed, being pushed into it because there's no capacity for, there's no way Hong Kong will enact this this, this law on its own from the record. Uh, and I, therefore, if you do it, you have to do it the right way. I mean, it's very interesting that that uh, China gets upset about this because they themselves have uh, are very active in interfering in other com- other countries' politics. You look at. Um, what's happened in Australia, in Canada, in African countries where they've been trying to buy influence through businesses, spread propaganda through universities. Um, is this really just more a point of pride because it is Hong Kong? I think they're doing it badly in Australia too. You know, if, if you're talking about sophistication in conducting their foreign affairs, they, they are, you know, honestly, they, are, they, are, they can be improved. Whereas, if you look at the sophistication of the, uh, let's say, U.S. in using Joshua Wong and so on, they're much more sophisticated. And I think China, I mean, if I, I, I have to quote somebody called Chang Si, Chang si Gong, who's the, uh, the, uh, the author of the White Paper on Hong Kong. So this is an official think tank of, of Hong Kong, the uh, 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 China-Macau Affairs Association or, or something, which office is located in the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office in Beijing. So this is the official think tank and uh, sort of NGO. Well, this this guy said in a lecture, which is quoted widely. Uh, search his name and you find that lecture in the last in the, uh, July two thousand nineteen. He was talking about this uh, this extradition law. He said, "Look, look how we mess up within the territory of within the territory of, territories of China, uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong. Look how we mess up. We better be honest to ourselves and try to learn. There are people, you know, and and I would say Jiang Xigong is a was a hardliner. He's towing towing this. He lo- he's at least looking at it honestly. But there are." There are hawks in Hong Kong, such as Tam Yujong, and there are hawks in Beijing. And they, they, they feed, they sort of tr- continue to upset uh, uh, the deep yellow, and deep, deep yellow keep feeding on each other. And this is how Hong Kong got into this mess. I think Tam Yujong represents one opinion. There are many, many opinions, including opinions of Radio RTHK. And you, have, you, you cannot be, you know, sort of, you cannot be scared. You have to look at his position. He's not official. He's just pretending that he's official and spreading all, all those things honestly. He's not helping China. You know, he's, he's a he, member he's of the just, Standing Committee of the NPC. Well, he's one of the members of mm. the Standing Committee okay. of NPC. And you know how China is not run by the NPC. It's run by the Chinese Communist Party. You have to assume that the uh, top of the Chinese Communist Party is as stupid as Tom Yuchong. If you believe that he represents China. Okay. Uh, what, what about, as you say, what about 
because I, I think what people will point to and what the government will point to is people like uh, Anson Chan and Joshua Wong and Martin Lee and so on going to uh, going to Washington and even calling for sanctions. Um, I don't know if they've done exactly that, but you know, some sort of yellow groups, what have you, have gone to have gone to Washington and called for sanctions. And they would say that I guess that that is that is uh, uh, you know giving sucker to your enemies and you know helping uh helping those who would who would do you harm uh, and so on and that kind of thing is is what they mean by foreign interference and that kind of thing should be stopped should be legislated against and that's why um john lee was saying you know that there will be clear stipulations over what political leaders can and can't do when traveling outside meeting dignitaries uh outside so i presume that that's going to be the most direct target um how will that work out do you think need to be worked out, <laughs> honestly. John Lee is a policeman. He thinks like a policeman. This is, we're talking about diplomacy. If you, if you ask me what, if what uh, Anson Chan did was wise, what Joshua Wong did was wise, you can say, oh, jo- Joshua Wong is a kid, he doesn't know anything, you know, therefore he's allowed to make mistakes. Anson is a seasoned sort of uh, administrator, former chief secretary. She should have known that the trap she's been let let into, and if you ask Anson, even a few months ago, she would say, "I've been doing it for for ages since I was chief secretary. I'm doing the same thing, without realizing that it was a trap set up for her." I think recently she's kept very very quiet now. I think she has made, I think she may have made, may have realized that she has made a mistake. Beyond Joshua Wong, I, I cannot comment. You can, you know, nobody can change Joshua Wong. I mean, beyond high-profile political leaders going overseas to 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 meet people, say on the Democratic side, uh, uh, do you think is China also worried about you know visits to Hong Kong from from outspoken NGOs, from high-profile Democratic leaders from overseas? I mean, is is that something that's going to come under scrutiny as well? Hong Kong, Hong Kong. You know, if you take away the free press, you, you take away, uh, if you take away freedom of movement, free press, freedom of speech, you take away the international financial center too. I mean, politicians will do political thing. That's really, really no big deal. There's a guy, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, called Donald Trump, said stupid thing all the time. How can you stop? American politicians who say all those stupid things, not just to us domestically, who say stupid things too. We cannot stop that. In the free press, they will be reported. And in the free press, the free press allow people to make their own judgment. China is not used to that. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the, about the U.S. And, and trips to the U.S., but of course, there's a lot of speculation that Taiwan is in is involved. <clears throat> I remember before the handover being told that. Um, that the British authorities in Hong Kong, or colonial authorities, uh, fairly regularly would would find uh, Taiwanese troublemakers, people from uh, Taiwan who are using Hong Kong to sort of instigate things against uh, against China, and, the, and basically the the colonial government would just kind of kick them out unceremoniously, and say we don't want your your sort here, we don't want to get in that in that fight. Um, and I guess you can't do that anymore. It's not. It's not the. Uh, it's the world has changed, so they can't do that anymore. But they would like. They would like to be able to do that, and they would like to remove um, 
people who are stirring up trouble like that. Is, is that part of also the motivation for this, uh, for this what they call foreign interference? I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, if if I mean, I, I know that uh, true separatists from Tibet, Xinjiang come into Hong Kong all the time because they hold a Canadian or U.S. passport, and you cannot stop that before. But in future. If you, if, you, if you catch those people doing activities that, you know, subversive activity, organizing, you know, subversion against China, I think the law would be able to deal with that. Talking about the fight between KMT and the Chinese Communist Party, that's historical. And, and how, how, can we, how, how can you, I mean, that was history. Uh, they, they fought a civil war and, and, they, and, and the KMT not until I think I believe up to ninety two or ninety one. They were still talking about, you know, taking China back militarily. Although now now they, they don't don't talk about that anymore. That that was the official stance of the KMT when they were evicted from China and they occupied Taiwan. And those spies move spies uh, things happens. And there were things that Hong Kong they were they were those activities. Hong Kong were able to deal with because the the uh, you know, there's it's a, it's a, it's a, there's an organization called Special Branch mm. of the Hong Kong Police Royal Hong Kong Police. I think that's what you're talking about. Special Branch has the same name in all British territory. And Special Branch people follow Lee Kuan Yew when he stepped off the boat because he was considered subversive. Mm. There's a Special Branch in India too, as I understand it, and the Special Branch equal MI6. Okay, we're nearly out of time, Alan. Yeah, um, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us, Alan Long, who's uh, the governor of the Path of uh, Democracy. Thank you very much indeed. We've got a lot of interesting uh, uh, emails which uh, we've been uh, saving up. We'll we'll get to them uh, after the news at nine. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us once again, Edward Chin, uh, convener of Twenty Forty Seven uh, Hong Kong Monitor, will be joining us uh, after the news. Uh, give us a call. Uh, chip in two three three eight eight two six six. The weather forecast: it's going to be hot today with a few showers, sunny periods during the day, and the maximum temperature about thirty two degrees. Uh, the outlook mainly fine and very hot apart from isolated showers in the next couple of days. And the readings at the moment, 29 Celsius and the relative humidity is at 77%. Distancing. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Karen Coe and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about the issue of uh, foreign interference, especially in relation to the uh, proposed national security laws. Uh, Alan Long is staying with us. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Long, Governor of the Path of Democracy. We're also joined now by Edward Chin, who's a hedge fund manager and convener of the, of the uh, 2047 HK Monitor. Uh, if you want to join in, then uh, just pick up the phone, 233-88266 is the uh, number. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page, and everyone can see your comments there, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or you can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages, but we may edit for length and uh, relevance. Um, I skipped at the beginning of the uh, programme today the uh, bit where I usually kind of uh, catch up on uh, uh, on uh, uh, matters related to yesterday's discussion. Let's do that perhaps uh, now. We were talking yesterday about about Black Lives Matter, about the situation in, uh, in the US and about uh, racism, uh, uh, also in relation to Hong Kong. Um, 
uh, okay, selection of uh, comments relating to that from uh, email. Uh, Jay, I think it is, uh, says, points out Washington, D.C., uh, 706,000 population, uh, 26, uh, sorry, firearm ownership rate, 26%, murders in 2019, 163, UK capital London, murders, uh, 149, population 8.9 million. So the population is, uh, like more than uh, 10 times as many and uh, it has fewer murders. Uh, uh, Larry says, uh, I'm astonished that your co-host, Rachel Cartland, whose comments also get published by the Hong Kong Free Press, asked, that's where the central government is located, isn't it? When your guests were discussing Chaz, the occupation protest and self-declared autonomous zone in the Capitol Hill neighbourhood of Seattle, Washington. If she doesn't know something about something as basic as the difference between Washington, D.C. and Washington State, I re recommend that she reads up on the U.S., before before commenting on U.S. affairs. Washington is a state on the West Coast, North of Oregon. Washington, D.C. is the District of Columbia, where the seat of government, the White House, is located. I strongly believe that radio or TV hosts have a responsibility to do their homework and ensure that facts are checked and errors, even if they're unintentional, should be corrected. There is a lot of misinformation about the U.S. out there, and let's ensure the basic facts are presented accurately. That comes from uh, Larry. Uh, Larry, uh, Rachel was referring to the fact that the, it was in the Capitol Hill zone of uh, an area of Seattle and she was asking whether it was called the Capitol Hill because the government was located there and the, the correspondent who was from Seattle uh, said no it isn't, that's not the seat of government but it was previously, so that's what they were referring to, nothing to do with Washington State and Washington DC John says, one sign of racism and white privilege is that you have as a guest Daniel Van Hoy, a white guy who has no particular qualifications to talk on the matter, spouting off and questioning Professor Richberg as if he was the one ignorant and both guests are somehow treated as equal. Uh, and uh, Candy says, I understand it's not easy for any show to maintain a balanced representation of all views. However, may I make a humble suggestion, which I hope Backchat will find constructive and may consider. It seemed to me that on today's show, that's yesterday, four guys with white privileges tried to counter the views of one African-American guest. That's Keith Richberg. Uh, We've heard a lot from opinionated people with white privilege who on top also belong to a privileged group in Hong Kong of self-proclaimed experts talking about Chinese and other minorities in the city without having any deeper connection or insight into either group. Hugely ironic. For a few days, you could consider dedicating a part of the show to guests who are from minority groups, uh, for example, Asian people living in Australia, Britain, etc., African-Americans who have lived in the US, minorities living in Hong Kong, for them to express their views and their experiences of racism in Hong Kong uh, or elsewhere, for example, Australia or US or Britain, and for other guests and listeners to ask them about their views and how this could be changed. The minorities can also be invited to express their views on the colonial past of these places and their feelings about the symbols of colonialism. Uh, in Singapore, we cherish opportunities... So in Singapore, we cherish opportunities to promote harmony among different ethnic groups. We've heard plenty from your guests and listeners with white privileges. Let's give the minorities a safe space on air so that they feel they are part of these public discussions and not feel sidelined by hosts and guests with white privileges, even though it is not intentional, I'm sure. That comes uh, from Candy. Uh, thanks very much indeed for, for those uh, observations. Uh, Richard says... 
Uh, it's noticeable that the full team of Beijing loyalists are day by day making very significant announcements through various reliable channels on the security law. Tam Yuchung, Maria Tam, CY, Regina Yip, even the Secretary for Justice. I can hardly remember her name. She's so insignificant. Carrie has taken a back seat. What do your guests make of this? Why is Carrie not allowed to take the heat? Has she had a total bypass operation on her last trip to Beijing? That's the final operation for removal of her backbone. And uh, Matthew, in an email, I think it's re- this is referring to uh, what uh, Anna Zeman was saying, I think, in um, the Money Talk program. Matthew says, fake representatives of Hong Kong people like Carrie Lam, Tam Yu Chung, Ronnie Tong, Regina Ip and the DAB are the real terrorists. Uh, Raymond D says, let's get to the bottom of these three million people supporting the new law. It's a very reckless assumption by someone in office to support this fabrication in stats. A bit childish of Carrie Lam and the pro-establishment to pick a rigged poll to support their case. Um, Alan says, uh, here we go again. Since at least 2014, when CY Lung announced that he had proof that the Occupy protest was foreign-inspired and never, ever presented this proof. Since then, the usual stooges say it over and over again, louder and louder. This is just Hitler's big lie propaganda style. Now introduce legislation to, to punish anyone you like, using this bogeyman as a justification. The issue is the concept of democracy. The protests were inspired by the West as much as the Chinese Revolution because of the ideas of the German and Marx and other political thinkers. As the CCP had no allegiance to Germany, the protesters have no allegiance to the USA or UK. When you ask what should we do about foreign interference, you are agreeing that the protesters are tools of some evil black hand. You ignore what the protesters keep telling you they want and why. Then you can wrap yourself in the flag and condemn all protesters as traitors. That comes uh, from Alan. Tony says, some Beijing apologist, the pigs at the trough, as I call them, writing to this programme, blame the national security law on the pan-democrats and black shirts. Better see it in the context of China and the culture of Xi flexing its muscles in the South China Sea, Xinjiang province, and latterly on the Indian border. These collaborators with Beijing are very selective in their interpretation. Uh, Mike says on the security law, accept it and read it later. This is right out of the Pelosi playbook. I noticed when your guest didn't answer, what will China define as interference? Will any influence or attempted influence be deemed interference in the future and be subjected to arrest for such? And Mr. Pink says recent turnout at pandem and anti-government gatherings has been surprisingly low. Highly publicised forewarnings of citywide strikes and the resultant paralysis of traffic never materialised. Indeed, they were largely non-events. The Yellow Camp claims this reflects adherence to the government's COVID-related social distancing rules, though that argument is unconvincing when you consider how many protesters breached police bans on numerous marches last year, as well as the manner in which they totally ignored the temporary mask ban last year. So is there a correlation between the low turnout of protesters and recent media reports that funding for them has dried up? It certainly seems possible. That comes from Mr Pink. Edward Chin, good morning to you. Good morning. What about that, that last point? Um, uh, is, are, are the uh, protests dying down because the money has been taken away? Well, it's hard to say because with this um, gathering ban and everything else going on, and I believe there might not be a march on July 1st if um, the Hong Kong, Beijing government is playing this uh, trick. But whether money is dying down, you know, you are implying whether there is a foreign influence, actually, you know, money supporting from outside, but honestly, from my experience,
experience six years ago when I participated in Occupy Central when we formed the financial professionals who support Occupy Central. Definitely, it is the bankers and the average day persons who contributed to protests and march. That we want fair play in Hong Kong. We want true democracy. So whatever foreign influence that Carrie Lam talked about, even she said that even if you talk to like the foreign media, you could be an enemy to the 1.4 billion Chinese. You know, like it's crazy, like a, some imaginary enemy that always try to think of. So. So, Edward Chin, are you convinced there is any so-called foreign interference? I mean, you mentioned Occupy Central, and there have been articles written saying that the U.S. organization National Endowment for Democracy helped fund that 2014 movement. Is is there any proof? The only contribution that I had, if you go back in time, like six years ago, I received... And I, I told it publicly too, like it's um, small, you know, like five digits some, from someone who claimed to be like a party member, Chinese Communist Party member, who do business in China and Hong Kong, and they support they support the the movement because they they want their kids who are taking international IB program in Hong Kong to have a safer future, and they want to defend it. So. If you talk about foreign influence, yes, that that's the influence that I got, and then I mentioned it publicly too. I do receive money, contribution, donation from that side. But surprisingly, someone who was uh, doing businesses in both Hong Kong and China. So it's not like the foreign influence that you you talk about. And if you just expand it further, even President Xi Jinping's daughter goes to Harvard, right? Is that foreign influence? I mean, like so many hundreds and thousands of students who who get educated in Europe, UK, and North America, there will be intellectual exchange. But then whether there is, you know, like the money, you know, like really pumping into movement, it is difficult to say. It is really difficult. Okay. Our number is 233-88266. We've got a caller on the line. Elizabeth, good morning. Uh, good morning. I would just like to say and back up the first speaker and also the man that was just on. I think Joshua Wong is receiving far too much public coverage. He shouldn't be allowed uh, the way he acts on television. I mean, and it's just too much. I don't think he speaks for all of the people in Hong Kong. And he's been going overseas for these trips, which who knows who's backing that. Thank you. Okay, Elizabeth, thank you very much indeed for your call. Uh, agree or disagree? 233 uh, uh Alan Lung, do, do, do you think that the protesters, I mean, when they were, because they've been marching, you know, with the American flag, um, singing the American national anthem, wearing Trump masks and so on, holding banners supporting Trump and appealing to Trump, um, if you do that, surely the, that's got to cross some kind of line, hasn't it? I think the uh, Chinese Communist Party is heartbroken and upset by seeing that. It's a failure. I, I mean, this is why we're a path of democracy. It's working on uh, 2047. We're looking forward and uh, lobbying all ties that uh, one country, two systems to continue after 2047. 
When we look back in history, um, the negotiation between the UK, uh, Britain, and uh, China was negotiation between two countries, and Hong Kong people didn't participate. We had no say in in uh, in that that process. Now there was some participation through through the Hong Kong ASEAN government by local 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 dignitaries, but. The, the Hong Kong people really didn't participate in that. I mean, it's, it's not it's not surprising that that we we were not seeing things the way the government, uh, basically Beijing government, seeing it. I think they in in uh, there are there is a Singapore uh, well originally from China academic of Singapore National University who were, who were talking about. The second reunification. I mean, we have to come up with the idea that that Hong Kong people must have a say in our own affairs, and this is accepted, I think, even by China, implied in the Basic Law, that we we should have a say in in our in running our own affairs. And this is the return of the heart versus return of the sovereignty, the heart heart stuff, and and the soft thing hasn't returned yet. And I think the uh, the uh, I think I think Beijing realized that uh, was partly the, uh, the government policy of favoring the the tycoons and people like livelihoods issues such as uh, kids cannot there's no hope for them to buy an apartment and and uh, public housing is not not going up fast enough. Whereas Beijing, I mean in, in Singapore, uh, 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 housing is is considered an equal right by by all people, not in Hong Kong. So those are the so-called deep-seated problem Hong Kong has to solve eventually. And how, how do you do that? Hong Kong hasn't come up with a solution yet. Mm. Well, I mean, Alan Lung, it's in a way. I mean, that's Hong Kong's own failure. It, it's definitely, yes. you know, it's nobody um, else outside Hong Kong caused that to happen. And it's kind of extraordinary that even today there's so little uh, move to change that. I mean, the, the tycoons have still have the power that they have. The problem is now they also have so many interests in China, so they're conflicted. I think even some tycoon after the, uh, the disturbances in uh, 2019 uh, realized that without a stable society, they can, cannot run a business. I mean, that's only the thing that's left to left only economic power Specialty Hong Kong still has is the international financial center thing. I mean, if if it's Hong Kong financial center collapse, it's not just a collapse of Hong Kong; it's collapse of China's uh, sort of capital raising capability too from international. I mean, nobody's talking about innovation. I know, but you know, I've been talking to government officials about importing technology, setting up system. They they, they don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> so there's no no policy that nothing that favors the kids, and politically, because Hong Kong is such a free place, they soak up things from English medium, from uh, uh, sort of the free world, and they, they they should be allowed to think what they like. But 
I mean, it's hot. I mean, China must be heartbroken seeing them, waving them, seeing them waving the American flag and asking the Marines to save them. Yeah, I mean, Edward Chin, I don't know about, about heartbroken, but I mean, I don't know, my impression was when you started to see uh, in protests the, the odd kind of American flag or something like this, it was a bit like the colonial flag or something, it looked frankly like a bit of a wind-up. It looked like they were sort of provoking, poking Beijing, um, uh, and it seemed to have got more and more, and you got wider sort of use of the, the American flag and, uh, and things like this. Um, but if you annoy Beijing, it's going to get annoyed and it's going to react like it has reacted with the national security legislation, arguably. Um, so what do you expect? Well, I guess if I go back to the original Deng Xiaoping 1.0 model, last year not like 1 million, 2 million people will come up. It, is all, it all started because of the of the evil extradition bill that was finally retracted. And with this national security law that will come, I don't know when, maybe before July 1st, and and right now everyone is um, uh, hoping this Hawaii meeting would mean something between Pompeo and the Chinese delegates. But think about it. You know, like, who, who started all this? I mean, I really think that if currently the Beijing government, if they if they push back a little bit, not having this um, world warrior mentality towards everyone, then there will be like a raising of the different flags. I, I raise the Hong Kong flag if I go to like a march, and I could raise the Canadian flag or a U.S. flag. You know, what's wrong with it? I don't see anything wrong with it. I could... Like, if people really love China, honestly, from the bottom of their heart, they will be raising a Chinese flag. But this is China they love, not the CCP. Think about it. CCP, back maybe 10 years ago, they think of them as authoritarian. And now, even on Twitter, they think CCP is a terrorist organization. So what causes that? I mean, I'm just a fit person. I want to be fair. And then, you know, let, let, let's all cool down a little bit and two system, you know, extend until 2047, which is very difficult. You, you say you cool down, you say cool down, but, I'm, you know, what I'm saying is that by waving the stars and stripes on a march in public, that is deliberately, deliberately uh, inflammatory, and you can't be surprised at the reaction that you're going to get. Why, why did Xi Jinping just um, talk, to, talk to those who supported him when he was in Hong Kong in, during the panel for her 20th anniversary? You know, like, why could he not be like an Obama, right, having a 360 dialogue? I mean, he got educated, I don't know, like, uh, he got his PhD, so to speak, quote-unquote, right? So at least it's educated, right? So no no dialogue with uh, the people if people look at him as emperor. And then this Carrie Lamb, I mean, I mean, it's, it's really, really pathetic when she just says, those who criticize or those who make contact with the foreign world, you know, like these are like enemies of the state and enemies of China. I mean, I will be pulling my money money out if she keeps on saying things like that. I mean, it's putting on a horror show when Hong Kong's time value is depleting so quickly with this horror act that they try to impose. I mean, I think... Um 
the way that China reacts is is entirely consistent with an authoritarian regime. And authoritarian regimes are mainly concerned about keeping themselves in power. And they feel very threatened all the time. So Hong Kong gets used as a pawn in this this um, battle for them to, to keep control. Maybe, maybe they don't feel so confident that they really are in control. Well, that's too bad because uh, they want to start a war like in Hong Kong. I mean, like uh, creating this Start with CY Lem or this um, so-called pro-independent, you know, imaginary group of people, you know, just to consolidate power. And also they make a few bucks out of it too, getting all these budgets from where. If you talk about money pumping in to support different agendas, that's only I think CY Lem, you know, like a, a, a guy who started Surely, it all surely and, creating conflict to stay in power is an American speciality, isn't it? That's exactly it also what it also That's is exactly yes. What Donald Trump does. It's not necessarily linked to. to I mean, it distracts from the real issues. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to see like the secret police come into Hong Kong. Already they are here, of course. You know, like, but you know, like if you read the news that uh, this, the chief of security was hinting and not saying that whether these guys could be carrying weapons to Hong Kong, right? Like just to. Before you were talking about the Causeway Bay from sellers being extradited and then sent to China. Now they all come down to Hong Kong to go after people, right? So I, I think you know a lot of people will have to assess their own safety too. Um, even the money inside banks and, for instance, like Peter Wong Tong Shing, you know, signing all this pro national security thing, like out of the roof, it's totally unnecessary, right? You're talking about the country head of HSBC, the top person for a bank. Come on, you know, like if I were to open like an offshore banking account with a bank, I have to think twice, someone supporting a regime like that. So everything is turning like upside down with uh, uh, just this national security law that they tried to impose a few weeks ago. Everyone got really, really scared to a certain extent and annoyed by all these acts, all the different plays. I mean, they, 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 they should think, think again. I mean, just like last year, just the, the whole thing retracted. It's not all over. Okay, some, some more comments uh, from listeners. Drake says, let's define foreign influence. Trying to bribe African officials is an example. Trying to buy ads on social media to rig an election is an example. Our sales to Syrian government is an example. But testifying on the human rights situation of Hong Kong at a panel of a free country is commie rhetoric. Stay focused. And uh, Tony W says, Karen is a good co-presenter, uh, better than the other dinosaurs, but she is wrong on the tycoons. They are not conflicted. They know which side their bread is buttered. Uh, that's from uh, Tony W. Thank you very much indeed uh, f for that. Um, uh, Alan Long, maybe this is an opportunity also to just to talk a, bit, a little bit about the, the government's attempts to the Hong Kong government, because the Hong Kong government has spent a lot of money trying to uh, affect uh, the opinion of, of uh, you know, uh, 
the, the views of opinion makers and, and so on in different countries, doesn't it? Um, spends hundreds of millions of dollars, in fact, you know, lobbying and taking out adverts and has recently been trying to, you know, em, you know employ PR agents uh, as well. Um, and, of course, Edelman has just said no, um, but has, you know, been making this effort to, to change minds uh, overseas. And I've got to say, it's a, it's a bit of a woeful story, isn't it? They don't seem to have... Uh, succeeded um what's going on there well how do you read that what are they doing wrong if, well, they, if you think uh, they're doing if, something you, wrong? if you look at if you listen to uh carrie lamb the chief executive uh, they, they 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 told uh the, the opposing force presumably people like <laughs> uh, uh 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 you know joshua wong to stop i think as a as a administrator she's more than adequate as a politician she's Basically, assessing the she's she has a wrong assessment of the situation. You know, she shouldn't be too honest and say tell them to stop. You know, she's reacting as an administrator. She should you know appeal to the people of Hong Kong, the middle ground, and not appeal to the to the deep blue only. That the the uh, the web web the the flag waving American flag waving and all those pushes of. Uh, of, of the uh, deep yellow are doing are making things worse, and she has no. She should she should say it honestly. They are making it worse, and as chief executive of Hong Kong, she has no total. She has no complete control of the situation. A lot of lot of it is up to uh, uh, the China and Chinese Communist Party, and she's basically telling people, uh, "You're making my job more difficult." I have a she, she should be saying, um, I have a difficult job already. Why don't you work work with me and, and try to make things better? That's what she has to say. At least it, it sounds more human. If, if Hong Kong government had, had been listening, as, I, as I've been telling Ronnie Tong, that, she should, that, that they should be trying to assure the rest of the world that uh, human rights, freedom, and rule of law would be defended under this. And, and we'll keep clarifying to Beijing what she can say, what she cannot say, and try to cl- clarify as, as much as possible. And I've been telling internally to part of democracy, this is not a small flu. I think I said it before in this mm. program. And they should be, it should be, they should be handling it more properly. They're not handling it properly. What, what can we do? We can just watch inside, you know. Mm. And Alan, Alan, I just want to ask you, just picking up on a point that Edward Chin uh, mentioned, the the um, vocalism of previous chief executives. I mean, why should previous chief executives be coming out and telling um, banks, for example, what to think and what to say, then telling customers, you know, what to do with their money? I, is that really their place? No. Uh, governor, in the Hong Kong situation, governor has had to leave Hong Kong. They keep quiet, and why? Why should C Y Long should should be doing that? But oh, I can stop. I cannot stop C Y Long. C Y Long is C Y Long. Mm. And you, if you if you what if you look at his uh, he has a website. You know his, his opinion is sometimes uh, more radical than this. And C Y Long really represent in my mind represent the, the, the deep blue, and it's not helpful. I mean, she as former chief executive. He should be standing on the middle ground and try to mediate things, solve problems, and not become part of the problem. 
Okay, well, Alan, thanks for joining us. Uh, a few more comments. Uh, Kenny says, let's be frank, Donald Trump couldn't give a hoot about Hong Kong as his entire agenda, both domestically and internationally, has one objective, namely to help him get re-elected. But the recent sharp decline in his numbers in recent US polls, which show him now lagging Biden in a number of key states, show that most Americans attach little weight to Trump's overseas policies, be it towards China, Hong Kong, Syria or Iran. Domestic issues will determine the US presidential campaign. Uh, and Trump is now realising that if he paid more attention to his country's deep-rooted social and racial issues, uh, his poll numbers would certainly look a, a lot healthier. Uh, Alan says, um, Hugh just said that protesters waving the US flag provoked the national security law. Really? A few people trolling the government is enough to justify destroying Hong Kong's legal system? Uh, WTF does waving the US flag mean nothing? A few dozen people having a joke. That comes from Alan. And Drake says, by forcing through the extradition legislation when two million was still marching on the streets was deliberately inflammatory as well. The American flag, question mark, hen first or egg first, question. That is uh, from Drake. Thank you very much indeed uh, for those uh, comments, uh, one and all. Uh, just one more on uh, Facebook. TC says, the two Canadians currently being held by the Chinese government on accusations of endangering national security is exactly the reason why many Hong Kongers and the outside world have so little trust on the national security legislation. These two ch Canadian citizens are currently being held at undisclosed locations without any charge for over a year now. It's straightforward why the SAR fails to change its international perception. It has nothing to do with the national government that support the it has to do, sorry, it has to do with the national government that supports the SAR government. That's from TC. Thank you very much indeed for that. Edward Chin, thank you very much indeed. Hedge fund manager, convener of 2047 Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning. Uh, and Karen, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Hugh. Uh, the weather hot with sunny, a few showers, sunny periods during the day, temperatures up to 32 degrees, 29 degrees now, and the relative humidity at 80%. Facing this pandemic, we are all a bit anxious and distressed. The government understands the challenge that we face in an ever-changing situation. We must race against time and prepare for these changes and do our best with every detail and every arrangement. No matter how difficult it may be, this is our responsibility. At this time, with everyone's ongoing efforts and support, we have faith that together we can fight the virus. I'm 34, the news now with Samantha Butler. The foreign ministers of the G7 countries have issued a joint statement strongly urging Beijing to reconsider plans for a national security law in Hong Kong. They expressed grave concern about the law, which they said wouldn't conform with the basic law or the principles of the legally binding Sino-British Joint Declaration. The former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton has alleged in a new book about his experiences in the White House that President Trump approached President Xi Jinping for help to win re-election. The Trump administration has issued legal proceedings to stop the book's publication next week, arguing that it contains classified information. And lawmakers remain divided over a government suggestion to set up priority queues for needy people, such as the elderly, in voting for legislative elections. Democratic Party Chair Wu Chi Wai says a separate queue for elderly, pregnant women or the disabled would cause chaos and arguments. But an FTU lawmaker, Alice Mack, accused critics of putting politics before values. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time.